to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. And welcome back to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick. And of course, every week we like to talk about some different facet regarding disaster recovery or business continuity, crisis communications, and so many different uh, aspects that that can uh, touch those areas and how to uh, use them in our daily lives, how organizations and communities can use those plans and protocols to help reduce suffering and the impacts when disasters occurs. Uh, as usual, I ask all the, every week, so I, this week is no different. If there is a subject you'd like us to talk about or you'd like to be a guest, please feel free to send me an email at info at stone-road.com and we'll look into getting you on the show and uh, or finding someone to talk about the subject that you want to hear. So please feel free to do so. This week... I have an esteemed uh, author on the show. I have his book in front of me, The Ultimate Business Continuity Success Guide, A Bold New Vision for Business Continuity. And I'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Marty Fox. Welcome, Marty. Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I really enjoy it. Well, I'm glad to have you here. And uh, congratulations on the book. I know it's relatively new, just a couple of months old, right? Yes, it is. And, you know, happily, it's done very well, uh, most of it by word of mouth. Um, the, the print version is doing well, and the Kindle is actually number one in, in a number of different categories uh, on Amazon. So I'm very happy about, you know, being able to share information. Oh, congratulations on that. That's a, a great uh, milestone to reach. And thank uh, you for, having thank the book you. in front of me. It, well, you're very welcome. And I do want to say it is chock full of a lot of uh, uh, tips. I think if I recall reading, it was 1,001 tips or something like that, was it? Actually, it's a little bit over that, but I did put 1,001. The number sounds nice, but I put a few a few extra freebies in there. <laughs> yeah, well, there it really is. There are lot of books out there that will say there's tips, uh, but this one really highlights what those tips are. They're really easy to identify and follow through, so um, I recommend it to everyone out there. <clears throat> now, now, Marty, let's uh, let you talk for a little bit. How did you get to where you are? You know, can you tell us a little bit about Marty Fox, you know, how you got to where you are, how the book came about, you know, what you've done in, in uh, disaster recovery and business continuity, your career there? Absolutely, absolutely. So I started my career in uh, technology and uh, for a very large company, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase in New York, very large bank. And I worked my way up from a uh, business analyst up to a programmer, uh, a project manager, and then ultimately a senior technology officer for the company. And that was around, and I did that for about 14 years. And then in 2002, um, I went to a new company, um, and that was MetLife. And I was uh, running a project management office, and there was a business continuity person. And, you know, I worked with him a little bit. And he happened to decide to leave. Uh, he didn't want to work for a very large company. And MetLife has about 80,000 employees. Um, and I jumped at the chance to apply for the position. And I felt that I can use my technical background, but I've always liked, you know, working with people. And uh, I got into business continuity as a liaison in one of the divisions uh, that they had. And... Um, I worked in the in the divisional uh, role for about three years, and then what happened was, and I, and I really, I think I knocked it out of the park because they were very very happy with me um, within the division. 
Uh, I was also able to do some development work as well, which I enjoyed. But then the opportunity came up. They asked me if I wanted to come up to the enterprise level around 2005. And I jumped at the chance because I felt I could make a real difference in the organization and I could apply my technology, which I love doing. I I always feel that I sit at the intersection between business continuity and technology and how to leverage technology. And what happened was um, I came in. uh, We were a group of just five people. We were in 38 countries and very big domestically in North America. And... um, I was able to really, my specialty within the group, although I was doing a lot of different things, running all the testing and the tabletops and the DR exercises along with with IT, um, but my real specialty was, you know, bringing in tools, leveraging tools that we had. We had a BCM tool at the the time. We could talk about that in a little while. Uh, But bringing in a mass notification tool, uh, bringing in some emergency management tools, you know, incoming hotline. So really what I was able to do is really, really, do, do a good job, I think, with that and, you know, utilize it during crisis times. Um, and that was through 2014. 2014, uh, MetLife moved a, a lot of jobs down to North Carolina. They centralized there. I decided to take a buyout because I didn't want to uproot my family at that point. We're very, here, very happy here in New York, believe it or not. And um, I decided to look for another position. Within one week of leaving there, I found um, a director's role with a, a different kind of a company, not a finance company, and I had been in finance my whole life, but in a logistics company, the largest wine distributorship, wine and spirits distributorship in the world. And it was Southern Wines at the time, and then it became Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits uh, through a merger about a year ago. And um, I've happily been the director of business continuity for New York State for the last three and three quarters years, as well as a person who's bringing in technology for business continuity. But because it's, you know, innovative and because, you know, the tools can apply to other parts of the business, it's really starting to, you know, um, streamline uh, other departments. We could talk about that you know, are coming to use our systems. Uh, so I've been able to immerse myself in technology the last couple of years, besides my role of, you know, making sure that, you know, New York State has all our plans in place and that we do testing and we do and make sure there's awareness here. So that's really my history up until today. Well, you know, you bring up technology and other areas. And I was going to talk about a couple of other things first, but let's start in that area. How do we use technology then uh, with business continuity and disaster recovery and, and showing value? Because you mentioned that other areas of your organization is leveraging some of this technology that you've been able to implement and, you know, you're utilizing. So how do you do that? You know, and, and what kinds of technology and what, what, what can it be used for? Absolutely. Um, it can be used for a lot. And it could really make a difference in an, in an organization, and in, in, and we'll, we could start, you know, with a BC program. Um, there are technologies that will allow you <clears throat> to scale a program uh, very easily and to extract new kinds of value from incoming information um, and information that you can use in business continuity and BC and beyond. I call them projects, and I can tell you about a few that that I've been able to leverage. But um, what's happening is uh, these powerful tools are coming in, and it's almost like a digital transformation because of um, these tools. And, I'll, and I'll, just, I'll just run off a few of them that, you know, I, I enjoy using, and then I can also tell you, you know, what I look for in a product and, you know, how I evaluate software. So my thing is that, you know, a lot of programs are using, you know, Excel, and they're using, you know, word processing documents, and that's fine. I think if you're a smaller company, and if people are using it in larger companies with success, I, I think that's a great thing. But I feel that you could bring your program up to world class by using the right tools. So let me tell you about a few of them. In the book, I talk a lot about the three BC uh, technology pillars and why you need them. So, you know, one is a situational awareness tool. 
okay? You know, you have to really understand your surroundings. You have to understand, you know, what could impact your business. Um, that's kind of like the ears for your company, and there's some very, very powerful tools out there. And then there's, a business, there's the business continuity management systems, all right? And I feel that sits in the middle. And that sort of system is really good when you're looking at, you know, to, to bring information together, lots of data. You know, it could be thousands and thousands of data points from all over the organization, and the data flows through this kind of a system. And it's great for plans. It's great for analytics. It's great for, for reporting. Um, it's great for tracking your testing. It's growing and growing. And, you know, the, this type of a system... Um, I've, I've found that when I bring it in and, you know, I'll, I'll keep my BIAs in there, I'll understand, you know, business RTO, um, IT um, makes great use of, of the system. A lot of IT shops really, you know, they may be using an archer, uh, but, you know, typically they're looking to place their information and map it against the business information so that, you know, you're able to see upstream and downstream dependency gaps between what the business expectation is and what IT can, del can deliver. Uh, there's other groups that are making use of our system. Believe it or not, data in the system is used by uh, sales is able to use some of the things that we're doing in the system. Um, so there's a lot of groups that are starting to leverage it, compliance, audit, risk, um, they make use of data that we collect, and with some of them we do, we do connect with them, and they actually have uh, access to the system. Um, there, there's many other reasons why a business continuity management tool is valuable, and you know if we want to talk, get a little deeper a little bit later into the particulars, as far as you know, um, breaking down silos in an organization, um, and you know being able to do an analytics across the board, um, across the organization, the way that data really travels, um, then, you know, it, it has value in that regard. And the last of the three pillars is the uh, an intelligent mass notification tool. And that's really, you know, our mouth. And, you know, that's really the communication part of it. And as we know in the business, um, communication is absolutely critical um, in, in a crisis. And, you know, we've had some major disasters here in the U.S. down south between Harvey and, and Irma and, and Maria, where we really depended on the system. And, you know, we were able to go out with a good, consistent message to all of our people, we even leveraged it in Harvey to go out to customers, and uh, that provided like almost what you consider a rev down the down the road revenue value to 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 the company. And not only that, we were doing the right thing. So that's the three pillars that that I feel that you do really need. Now, you know, there's a few other systems we could talk about it now, or you know, if you just want to stay with the three pillars, you know, we can concentrate on that. I, I'm more than happy for you to share your knowledge. So if there's more you want to share, please feel free. Go ahead. Okay, great. Um, you know, there, there's other tools. One being, you know, I've always felt that you need an emergency hotline. Um, you need that for – so when you, when you talk about communications, the mass notification tool is really important. Because um, during, during uh, a number of events, for example, Hurricane Sandy uh, here in, in the Northeast, you know, years ago, um, I would go out to 38,000 people multiple times a day to keep them informed, make sure, you know, that we could account for them, see if they need any help. So it's a two-way interactive system where you're able to go out by multiple devices, okay, um, and get information back. You can have polling, you can do surveys, but the thing is that you're going out by, you know, uh, text messaging, you're going out by voice, you're going out by email. Um, there's even hooks into, you know, alarm systems that you can use so you could get input from there. Um, so that's the outgoing part of it. So another tool that I've always found great use in, and, I, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of the folks listening are the same, is an emergency hotline for incoming um, mm -hmm. for people to get information uh, by a pull rather than a push methodology. 
And in the book, I talk about aligning the two systems. So because if you don't align them and you send out one message with your mass notification and you have another message on your incoming system, then you're going to have a conflict with users. And especially at a crisis time where, you know, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of stress, you want to make sure that you're sending a nice, consistent message out to folks. There's a lot of other reasons, you know, for these tools that I've mentioned so far. Um, I mean, a big one is scalability. Uh, If you think about an intelligent mass notification tool where I can go out easily to 5,000 people in, in a couple of minutes with many of the devices going out in seconds to all 5,000, you know, on email and SMS. And you think of what we were using as far as manual call trees. Um, And, again, if you're a very small organization, I would say that, yes, if you have 50, 60 employees, you can manage, you know, with with a manual call tree. But where you get into 100, 200 and above, I have found that manual call trees will break down at the point when you need them most, and you're talking about employee safety. I agree. I, everywhere I've gone, especially with these phone lines, one of the first things I've always asked is, do you have an emergency line? You know, do you have a way to people contact you and do you have a way to contact them, you know, quickly? Because if they don't have that, and to your point, you know, communications are critical. If you don't have that, then that tells me there's a big gap already and I've only just begun. You know, communications yeah. is key, just like you said. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, and I and I can't tell you how many times, Alex, that you know I've gotten thank you messages even after doing tests from from management and from the pe- from the people. You know, saying we're so happy you're thinking about us that you've put a tool like this in place. You know that you've really stepped up your game. So you know, there's it's great for your career. It's fun. This is great technology. It's fun technology. It brings the fun into business continuity. It's exciting stuff. And the other thing is that. As you're collecting the data for, you know, the, these are very data-driven systems, you know, whether it's contact information or it's what we're collecting for BIAs, you know, across the board, okay? Um, and, and if you take the information coming, I get excited just thinking about it, from situational um, alert tools um, and awareness tools, and you're able to control that information, because it could be an overload of information within a system, you're able to wring out, you know, extra value. Yes. And on that, we have to take a quick break, and we're right, we'll be right back with Marty Fox, the author of The Ultimate Business Continuity Success Guide. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. 
Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. We're talking today with Marty Fox, the author of The Ultimate Business Continuity Success Guide. And Marty, before we went went away on break, we were talking um, about technology, and I know there's so much more we want to say about that. I just had a couple of quick questions that I just wanted to touch base with you. With the use of, of technology and it being integrated you know, into organizations with regards to disaster recovery and business continuity and then other uh, segments of the organization leveraging some of this technology, do you think at all that um, – Sometimes there's too much focus on technology and not enough on the people aspect of business continuity, or do you think it's you know rather pretty even? Um, I think that it's even. I think that you know the people are, I mean, absolutely critical. It starts with the people. Okay, it starts with. I mean, we have to understand. You know what our goals are, what management's goal. I talk in the book about, you know, aligning yourself with management, middle management, the, you know, the employees, the students, to understand what their goals are. Um, it, it really is it's a people business, and that's one of the reasons I got into it. Technology helps us in so many ways. What I do feel is this, that in, in a number of different organizations, and it's not only in business continuity, it's Use what we're used to, okay? It's almost like, you know, use a, use a hammer when we should be using a screwdriver. And, and I remember that there was a big company that I worked for at one point, and, and, and a big executive got up and he, he put in a, store, in a story in a, in a big newspaper that he was so proud that we were, we were a spreadsheet-driven company, you know? And there's a place for spreadsheets. I use spreadsheets all the time, okay? Um, you know, to organize some data as part of, if I'm doing a light project plan, um, I'll certainly use it. Um, but there's also a real place for databases and things that maybe people aren't as familiar with as, as would help them in the long run. And, and I feel that's really the value. It seems like whenever I've, I've worked with an organization, they've realized that value. I mean, I get on calls with vendors, um, and I kind of keep them honest. And I talk about a lot of the questions <laughs> that I ask in the book. Um, but that's like a special place where, you know, and the, what I'm really proud about is my teammates. They always get up to speed. I can't tell you how happy I am when after, you know, a few months of them listening to me, they start asking vendors, well, do you have an API? Do you know, do you have, what kind of back-end database do you have? What's the scalability? Um, so I think that, you know, it's a people business first, but you really need that good technology in order to become world-class, in order to become real-time. Mm-hmm. And the other question I had is, you at the beginning, you mentioned um, IT expectations and BU expectations. Can you talk a little bit how to align those two? I know from experience myself, quite often the two are not what they expect of each other. <laughs> Very true. So we say. Very true, Alex. I, I've, <laughs> I found that found that as well. Um, I think that, you know, when you're rolling out a product, I think you have to get IT and the business together. A lot of times IT, or, or, you know, it used to be many years ago, they would develop in a glass house, you know, back in a big data center, and they would show it, and they would drive the business, all right? It has to drive the business. The business has to drive the IT portion of it, okay? So, you know, for for example, if there is a system that has, you know, that IT is able to provide, you know, uh, uh, let's go extreme, a 72-hour, you know, RTO, RPO, but it's a critical system for the business, you know, and they need it back in eight hours or four hours, then, you know, you, ha- you have a big gap. Um, what happens is when, you know, IT is able to use our system and they put in, you know, the, the real recovery time that they can bring back a system, and then through using, 
you know, our business continuity management tool, we're actually able to very, very easily map the system to the business, okay? And the, and, and the tool will give us a nice dashboard, okay? It'll tell us where our gaps are, you know, in red, for example. But not only will it be able to do it for one process, but then you can go upstream and downstream. So the upstream process is, um, you know, for example, let's say there's a, a process upstream that has a 72-hour RTO, but downstream from there, there is a dependent process that has an eight-hour RTO, and there's systems in between that, you know, the RTOs and the RPOs, upstream and downstream, don't match, don't match and there, there, is, there are gaps. So by IT actually putting a lot of their information into the system, and they love to have an easy-to-use, powerful system, we're able to do these analytics uh, across the board. So that's a great help, you know, with with them. And same thing with compliance. There's certain information that, you know, they have that they're able to drop into the system, and they're able to run their own reports against the business data. You know, we have testing in there, you know, as well. Um, testing results, last plan updates. So a lot of, you know, um, key performance indicators come out of the system, some that you would expect, you know, how many plans, you know, are, are you know, recoverable within the time frame um, and, and which, you know, we would definitely have risk with. But also, you know, you're able to get, you know, this inf- type of information in real time. And, and the other thing is that, to go from these systems, what you're able to do, because now all good modern uh, three-pillar tools, we'll call them, they have open interfaces where you can use an API to, let's say, connect a situational awareness tool to a mass notification tool. And there's some great use cases for that. I mean, potentially life-saving use cases to be able to connect systems like this. The sum is really greater than the parts. Mm-hmm. Well, I, re- I remember uh, sitting in a meeting with a vice president once who uh, was usually quite blunt in his words, wonderful person, but very blunt with his words. And uh, the IT capability didn't match the BU expectation. And so the BU turned around and said, well, what do we do to fix this? And he simply said, well, either change your expectations or give us money mm-hmm. so we can get the tools to do it. And that's what it came down to. You know, there was some negotiating on both sides there, but uh, that, that's what it came down to. Well, that's a great point, because sometimes you'll have, you know, a process. Everybody <laughs> says they need their process back quickly. You know, I don't like to call it, when I go out and I talk to process owners, I don't like to define it as a critical system. I mean, I like to use the words a time-sensitive system, time-sensitive process, because everybody and every, every process or department is critical to a business at some point, or else you, yeah. wouldn't, have, you wouldn't be paying, paying the people. But, you know, marketing, let's say, do you really need your systems back in four hours? Well, just as you said, Alex, you know, we will push back. Part of what we should be doing is pushing back and saying, look, if you're going to need it back in four hours, you know, why do you need it? What's the impact? But this is what it's going to cost. And a lot of mm-hmm. times, you know, people do change in, in that regard. I mean, one thing to watch out for is, you know, and I've seen this happen in the past, uh, not in a number of years, but a lot of times, you know, process owners, because they don't want to really pay the, the money, the business, when they really need the system back, they'll, they'll use the attitude that it's never going to happen to us. And they'll say, well, we need it back in 72 hours. And then you know what happens. Something happens. Um, there's an event, and you don't get the system back, but you really need it. And they're screaming, you know, why don't we have our process back? Why can't we recover in four hours or eight hours? We're losing millions of dollars. But, you know, look, you know, you, you took the gamble, you took the risk, you signed off on it. But so you do have to watch about that. I think you want it really to align to what really makes sense for the business. Yeah, agreed. Been through those exact same situations and the same arguments and, and uh, uh, input that you just uh, went through as well. So it's like you're speaking, uh, you were there in the room with me. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you know, we, we live in different countries, you know, a uh, thousand miles apart, and it's uh, interesting to see that, uh, you know, the stories are the same. 
you know, no matter where you go, the, the stories end up being the same. They, they, they really are, you know, and, um, you know, that's why we really have to, you know, communicate with the business and with, with IT, and we really have to come to a meeting of the minds and something that makes sense for the organization. Because, you know, in business continuity, really, I, and like when I explain at the beginning, I have a story in the book about, uh, it's by uh, Billy B. Boring, <laughs> and he's in an elevator oh, yes. ride. It's a little like... This is an elevator ride, and he's going up on his first day of work, and he runs into an SCP who, you know, hired him, but, you know, it really was like a couple levels away, and, you know, she said, you know, don't I recognize you from the interview? And he says, yes. And she said, well, what do you really do? And he started throwing, you know, a million acronyms at, at her. You know, well, I do RTOs and RPOs, and, you know, then I come up with a BIA. And she was getting glazed over. Really, what we do is we keep the business going. We allow people to have their jobs, to pay their business, to pay their expenses. And, you know, what, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I will sit down with a process owner or at a big kickoff meeting, and I will show them a picture of what happened to another company who did not have a business continuity program in place and first of all, it's a mess. And second of all, a lot of people, unfortunately, businesses go out. You know, we have the usual statistics, 72% of companies that don't have a tested business continuity program, they will go out of business in a couple of years. And unfortunately, you know, a, a lot of that does happen. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, Some of those numbers uh, don't really seem to change over the years either. You know, uh, I, re I remember what was it, 50% 50, 50 of businesses would go out of business within two years of having a, a disaster. And I know at times that number has gone up, actually. So, yeah. you know, you know it, it's sad to hear, but it, it's true. So yes. let's circle yes. back with, with the uh, other technology now. I just wanted to get those couple of questions uh, out, out of the way. You know, so... How do how does business continuity or business resiliency or or disaster recovery, whichever moniker you want to attach to it, how does that bring value to the organization overall? You know, I, I know you your you know, your book is you know a success guide and success by the way has a dollar sign in it. So you know how how do you bring that value to the organization? You know what what benefit is there to to them? Well, there, there's, there's a couple different levels, okay? There's the traditional level where, you know, we are preparing them, we're able to respond, we're able to recover and, and to keep the business going. And there's still great value in that. But, we, but, there's, but there's extra value. Um, there's more things we can do. And the reason for that and it's all coming together with this whole digital transformation and with, with big data and new systems coming in. It's because we, we sit on data, okay? I can't tell you how many times, Alex, you know, I, I've worked on a project um, with, with bringing in data, okay, and analyzing data. And really what I've what I become is like the chief data officer, because data is like gold. Data is like oil, too. I mean, just think about data with Google, you know, with Amazon. These are companies that didn't have, you know, physical products, at least at the beginning with Amazon. And, you, you know, you just really, you're extracting value from data. So first of all, we sit in the middle, and we're sitting on data, okay? And, we can, and you know, we use it for our BIAs, for our impact, but there's other ways to, you know, ring the data. And to, get, and to get value out of it. So, you know, there's different projects that I've worked on, you know, over the years to, to, to you know, utilize data. But I'll just give you one example, you know, with situational awareness tools. So usually, so one of the ways that we use situational awareness tools is, you know, to get alerts, okay? So, for example, there, there's, there's an earthquake in, in California, okay? And um, we want to get out a notification to people in, in a geographic area. Um, so, you know, the old way, forget it, you know, it was with call trees and things like that, and you wouldn't even have the information. So now what's happening is we will get a almost real-time notification coming in, and what we're able to do, so that's great, okay? And then, you know, a person could go to a mass notification tool and they could send out the information to a group, but by marrying the two together with an API, 
When that comes in, you're able to write like triggers and rules saying if, it, if an earthquake comes in and it affects, you know, X amount of miles around, you know, a location, and you could even do it by, you know, the strength of the earthquake, I want you to go out with an automatic notification to these people, okay? So it's in real time. So, you know, you're, you're saving precious seconds. Another example is that you can, you can connect uh, Internet of Things type devices or, let's say, in a company, an alarm system. A lot of alarm systems, when they trigger an alarm, they trigger different kind of alarms for different kind of events, whether it's a fire you know, or whether it's an active shooter. And by monitoring that and connecting to those, uh, by some of the really good situa- some of the really good mass notification tools, you could actually send an automated alarm out, okay, a notification, or you could pop up desktop alerts. Now, just imagine in an active shooter type of a situation, being able to pop up a desktop alert, being able to you know contact people in milliseconds, almost instantaneously, to be able to mm-hmm. give them that information. But there's more. Uh, So just staying with the situational awareness tools, besides the alert portion of it, um, there's the disruptor disruption. So, you know, there's a lot of digital disruption going on right now, and I talk about it in the book. You know, as far as like, let's say Amazon, okay, and Borders Books, or, you know, Amazon and malls and all retail, okay, or Uber and taxis. Every single industry and every single product, I don't care what it is, it could, be, it could be baseball bats, it could be, you know, cigarettes, whatever, it's, it's subject to being disrupted and going into a digital mode, okay? And it doesn't take much money to get into that space and to disrupt it. Well, through certain types of situational awareness tools or market intelligence tools, which are in, you know, uh, tangent, tangent industries, you're able to take that information and you're able to bring that into a database and you're able to analyze that and see trends. So you could see trends. Are there people coming into your space? Are there opportunities for you to disrupt another industry? And that's all part of business continuity because, um, if you were Blockbuster, and I don't know if you guys had like video stores like Blockbuster uh, in Canada, yep. we used but to. <laughs> you, you did used to, right? Yeah, used to. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, when was the last time you were in a Blockbuster or a Borders book? <laughs> so those are just a couple of examples. And if you were doing business continuity for those companies back when that happened. Imagine how, how important it could have been to alert upper management that, hey, you know, there's a trend going on here. There's these young companies that are coming in, and they're going to do X, Y, Z. You know, maybe there's certain things we can do. And, and I'll give you one more example on this, and I'm sorry if I'm getting too excited here. Uh, Britannica. Now, Britannica is an encyclopedia that used to sell into people's homes, and they were disrupted by Wikipedia. Well, you know, Britannica did a pretty good job, actually. They're one of the few companies that was able to anticipate and notice the disruption very early, and they, were, they got a pretty good online presence. They're not making the money they made before, but they were actually able to anticipate and predict what was going to happen. And on that note, we have to take another break, and we'll be right back with Marty Fox. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. 
now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. We've been talking with Marty Fox, and we've been getting some great insight. And uh, Marty, I just want to say, you know, from all the things you're saying, the the passion and your enjoyment of this subject is certainly coming through. So I, I hope our listeners are appreciating the the passion you have. I know I'm appreciating the passion you've got for this. Thank you, Alex. And um, you mentioned that you're now with Southern Gla- Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. When it comes to disaster recovery business continuity, there's a lot of information, to, you know, for large organizations, you know, that re- tend to relate to office buildings, you know, and and banks. But can you tell us something, you know, how difficult is it, or how do you manage, you know, something, you know, when it comes to warehouses and manufacturing and distribution companies? Because uh, as, as we spoke in the break, that information is kind of lacking, you know, out there for for people. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Good, great points. Um, you know, you know. As I mentioned before, I went from finance many years, you know, over to uh, a logistics distribution type of a business. Okay, um, Southern uh, is a very large business. Actually, we have we do have twenty four thousand employees. It's like an eighteen point six billion dollar business, um, and and we are we have a national footprint. Okay. But and we don't really we don't produce any wine or spirits, so we're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of suppliers. So it is a real challenge. Part of the reason I took the job is because there are certain challenges within warehousing and ma- and manufacturing and logistics that you don't have in an office environment. For example, you know we used to in an office environment. We used to, you know, go to recovery locations, let's say, you know, like a SunGuarder and IBM, and then over time, over years, it trended towards, you know, working from home when you could. You know, again, the technology drove that kind of thing, and it was very, very effective. When you get into a, um, a warehousing manufacturing, you can't do that, you know. You can't really work at home. So it was really a, a challenge to do this. So there, there's certain things that you do want to try to do when you map this out. Um, one of the things is, um, for as far as the, uh, the warehousing and the manufacturing, you want to make sure that you, you have great maintenance on, on your tools, on your conveyors and things like that. Um, you want to make sure that you, you take care of everything. Um, and you, and you want to make sure that one other thing, that, you know, if you do have a company that has multiple locations, for example, in New York I have uh, two major distribution centers, um, meaning that there's thousands and thousands of cases that go through there on a daily basis. And if you could leverage one or the other, so what you may be able to do is, you know, if your warehouse is working, let's say, um, 12 hours a day, you may be able to put in another shift. The other thing you may be able to do through analytics is understand, you know, which of your customers, you know, are, are the most important, okay, that bring you the most value, and you want to make sure that they're well taken care of, as well as your other customers. But again, you, you level set with them that you're not going to be in a business as usual type, type, of, a, type of a mode. 
Um, the other thing is, which is interesting, is we're looking at even for some parts that could break down using 3D printers. So 3D printers, you know, they're able to produce uh, parts in any sort of a format. You know, it could be plastic, it could be metal. So we're actually experimenting with that. So those are, those are a couple of the ways as far as, you know, um, as far as having, you know, a certain amount of redundancy. Now, if you only have one distribution center, and I actually talked to a few people that are doing this, if there's a related business but not a competitor within your area, what you could do is you could make arrangements with them that you'd be able to back them up. Um, you know, some of that was actually done when, when we had the fires out in Napa Valley um, recently um, where one company would press scrapes for another, um, and they really became like a team. And that's the same thing. You know, there may be synergies between, you know, you and another company in the area. And finally, you know, with the delivery of, of product, you know, again, it's maintaining your vehicles but making sure that you have backup. And I will tell you something, something really, really, uh, really critical is make sure that you could get fuel. What happened down in with Harvey in Texas was a lot of companies did have their trucks, but they could not get fuel. So make sure that you have those redundancies and that you have agree agreements in place where you could get fuel. So those are the few things that you know I, I've put into place. There, there's a lot more. It's interesting you mentioned the related businesses um, because I don't I don't know about uh, down in the United States, but up in Canada I do know there's quite a bit that uh, the various banks up here can do for each other. If one bank goes down, another bank um, they've partnered with can do some of its processing, you know, whether it be pay, uh, you know, send out paychecks and things like that, or, or log, you know, transactions for them. But uh, they have some of that uh, in, in place up here. What a great strategy. Yep. <clears throat> so, now, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, there's, you know, over a thousand, uh, you know, we'll use a thousand and one tips in the book. What are some of your uh, key tips that you would like to uh, let our listeners know and, you know, consider, you know, and take back with them to their organizations or communities, you know, things that um, they, they should, you know, keep primarily uh, on focus? Okay, great question. Yeah, I, you know, I'd like to share a few of the tips that they, I think are really important. Um, you want to convey your unique value, all right? You don't want people just to think, you know, hey, uh, he's doing a BIA, but how long does it take him to do a, a BIA and do plans and things? I mean, you want to test and everything, but some of the things I talked about, you want to be innovative. You want to, want to look at this like you're an entrepreneur, or an entrepreneur, okay? So you want to look like, you know, different ways that you can bring value, you know, through, through data um, and through anyway. And I know you've done this in the past, Alex, because I had read mm -hmm. that, you know, um, someone had even said that, you know, you always stepped up, you always helped every way you can. And, and if you have that kind of attitude, things are going to come to you. You know, as far as your program, I think it's important to meet with upper management and understand their goals as well as middle management. One thing that I do talk about in the book that I think if you can pull it off, it would be great, is if they can host a meeting for you the first week, introduce you to middle management. So, And when middle management knows that you know it's important to upper management, you will, things will be a lot easier for you. A couple other things, if I have another minute, is map out your short-term goals and your long-term goals up front. So take, take your time with that. Learn the business. It's so important to learn the business. Um, you know, be innovative, as I said. Be organized. Build strong teams. Uh, it takes a village. Um, and it, re it really does. Um, and the other thing is, you know, go wide, go deep, go fast. And that's where tools can help you. And the reason I, what I mean by that is you never know when a crisis is going to hit. And I've seen so many programs where, you know, people say, well, we'll wait and, you know, we'll take six months or eight months to do this. Do it at different levels, okay? Be like a small company. You know, get that first, you know, round out there so at least everybody knows you and you, at least you have your crisis management plans in place. And then you can, then you can up your program from there. Yeah, so basically kind of um, what I like to do is make sure I've got some of the communications in place, which is something that you brought up. Because once people start understanding the communication processes and why it's there, they start going, oh, 
it's people first where they're not running after, you know, fixing the mainframe, you know, and, and you've said it too, you know, it comes down to people. So for me, it's communications first, you know, get the basics there and then be able to move on, uh, on from there. And you get the buy-in, you know, a lot more because they see the, the value that people are first, not the mainframe. They are. The number one thing is people and, you know, safety and, you know, to, to help the people and provide value to them. It's all about them. Exactly. So we have uh, two and a half minutes left. What's the? I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the one thing everyone should know about business continuity, and disaster recovery? You know, the the industry. Yep. We are not what an should... expense. Okay. We 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 provide extreme value. And if you look at business continuity, it's traditional value, which is incredibly important, and we know that. But also the other value. Look at it a little bit on a slant, okay? Maybe even pick up a book, you know, on, on innovation and see what small companies are doing. And I'm going to tell you this, that so many companies are not looking at innovation and they're not looking at disruption enough and digital transformation that if you do a little bit of this and prove yourself, okay, and do it, Believe me, they may be pulling you up to the top so that you're doing this not only for BC, but you're doing it across the organization because your leaders are reading about innovation and digital transformation. If you play a look at some of these tools that we can use, they're paying us to, to use these great new tools. You know, it, it'll be great for your career. Believe me, it's happened to me and I know it will happen to you. Marty, I want to thank you very much uh, for participating in the show i know i mentioned uh, during the, the break and uh, mentioned already the passion you have is very clear and evident in everything you're saying and how excited you sound when you come across so i really want to thank you very much uh, for participating and i'd like to remind all our readers about marty's book the ultimate business continuity success guide a bold new vision for business continuity uh, it is available on Amazon, and um, as Marty mentioned, in Kindle version as well as physical uh, formats. Um, so thank you very much, Marty, for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Alex, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. It's been a pleasure, and to be able to share some information with your listeners. Thank you. Thank you, and everyone out there, please uh, stay prepared, everyone. Take care until next week. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.